It's good to be in church. No better place to be on a Sunday. We don't forsake to gather another brethren as some are in the habit of doing. We in church, amen. We in the house of the Lord. Hell yeah, birthday. I, I guess I am a birthday boy. 39. See, see what happens when you talk to the crowd. I'll crowd start talking about it. So communication, you don't talk to the crowd, right? This is a comedy show, right, where you start like interacting with it. There's people, I've been watching like comedy shows that like the guys like actually roast people. So the participants come to get roasted by the comedy guy. I think it's awesome. I think it's a little annoying, too, sometimes because, yeah, whatever. Okay, um, so uh, for all the new people, what's up? Sorry about that. Uh, you're awesome, and so good to have everybody here. We are in uh, a new series. We're jumping in here today called Tell the World. Come on, somebody. Tell the World. Now, there's a great song by Hillsong way back in the day called Tell the World. Well, the song went like, I don't know if that was what it was called, but it was like, Tell the World That Jesus Lives. Tell the world that. Anybody? No. Okay, cool. Uh, but it's a great song. Go look it up. Uh, Hill song, old school, OG song, legit song back in the day. Tell the world that Jesus lives. And this season we're in, stepping into Easter, we're kind of in Lent, coming up to Easter's coming up. Uh, be a great series. I mean, we're looking at this series for more evangelism, looking at how are we sharing the good news, right? How are we being evangelists? How are we being individuals? Carrying the good news. If you want to take notes, write this across the top of your paper. Good news. Good news. Now, if you see this on the YouTube video, it's just clickbait, right? Because when you say good news, it's like, what's the good news? They click on it and then see the message. It's awesome. So good news. <laughs> so the stuff I think about as a pastor, like, what's the title going to be? Good news. Okay, cool. They'll click on it because it's good news. Now, how many of you guys have received some good news? Right? You know some good news. Good news usually surrounds tension with hope beyond the present moment, right? Heather and I, we, 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 uh, in our first pregnancy, we had a miscarriage. And then uh, we had the tension around that miscarriage that had good news on, we're pregnant and there's a fetal pole and, and it looks like there's vitality around this embryo. It's like, oh, it's amazing. And there was good news. You know, my mom alluded to it last week for all the new people. My mom preached here for the first time in eight years. It was great, Ms. Pastor Melissa. She did an incredible job. Doesn't matter what you are coming into shore on, you are saved in Jesus' name. It's legit how she said. But uh, uh, she mentioned that Heather and I were on the journey. My wife's a physician. Uh, we had to go through med school and residency, and she got both. She got selected both med school in San Antonio and residency in San Antonio. I can still remember to this day being in downstairs cafe in Rome on her honeymoon, uh, and we got the results back that she got into uh, San Antonio Med School, and we we're like, I guess we're still called the San Antonio. Cool. Uh, and so the cool thing about that is we just always lived. People have asked us, like, so what did you guys do? How did it all work out? We always work to create opportunity, and we allow God to bring the confirmation on specific calling where it's at. So it's just a good advice for anybody. Work hard, create opportunity, and let God confirm exactly where you're supposed to be going. I would much rather work hard and provide opportunity than God have to provide a miracle for everything, right? He's partnered with us. Um, and so with that, um, you know, that, that's good news. Good news usually tension. We have hope for something with present information. It's like, yay, that's awesome. Now, if you know for our church, we have good news. We purchased a building, we're renovating, we're going to be in hopefully sooner rather than later with all the craziness and the madness of our world today based on the real realization of the economy. And I'll just, I'll get myself in trouble if I say any more, but the reality of what we live in here today, um, it may take a little longer, but we've been around five services in here, just doing four today. We know the tension. It was good news when it was like, we purchased the building, praise God, right? It's good news. Good news has tension around it. 
tension and hope. There's got to be present day pain, present this. Usually that's like that. Whoa, it's good news. There's hope for tomorrow. There's, there's something better than what we're living in here today. And when it comes down to the gospel and which God has called us to carry into the world, here's the deal. It's good news. But it may not necessarily be perceived as good news. Because good news is in the heart of the receiver, not necessarily in the message of the messenger. I think that was said right. Because <laughs> somebody could, you could give them some good news, but good news to one may not be good news for another. Right? Good news has to be in the heart of the receiver. The receiver's got to see, oh, I, there's tension here. There's pain here. There's struggle here. Oh, there's, oh, I need something better than present day pain. And we'll talk about it in a little bit, but it doesn't really matter how it's received. What matters is that we, send, we go and share. Number one, if you want to write it down, the gospel is the good news. Amen. The gospel is the good news. I wanted to put it's the greatest news, but for the sake of kind of terminology that we see inside of God's word, it's the good news. It is the greatest news that any human could ever hear on the face of the earth for all of eternity. It is the greatest news. It is the greatest news that any person in this room could share with anybody on the face of this earth. The good news, the gospel is the good news, the greatest news that could ever be shared and ever be heard. Amen. There's a few people that believe it. We're going to be talking about it a lot, right? We're going to be getting into the trenches. So you better start saying amen right now, or you're going to be in trouble later, okay? It is the greatest news ever. Now, you got to feel the tension around it. Now, this news entered in at a moment in time where the Jewish people were living in, in, in tension, in pain, in struggle. God had called them to be blessed and a blessing to the world. But at that moment in time, they didn't feel like a blessing to the world. At that moment in time, they're like, well, we're, we're, we got occupation. We got occupiers. We're like, we're in somebody else. I mean, somebody else is in our land and we're under some other leadership. We don't feel like we are free. We're not in our own kingdom. You look 700 years before Jesus ever showed up on the scene, God would speak through Isaiah to let them know the present pain you are in, there's something better that's coming. I'm going to send my kingdom there. Look at Isaiah 40 in this, in this speaking to the good news. It says, listen. It's the voice of someone shouting, clear the way through the wilderness for the Lord. Make a straight highway through the wasteland for our God. Fill in the valleys and level the mountains and hills. Straighten the curves and smooth out the rough places. Then the glory of the Lord will be revealed. Get it ready. And then the Lord will be revealed and all people will see it together. The Lord has spoken. Moving down. It goes on to say that. Bam. Oh, Zion, messenger of good news. Come on, messenger of good news. There's good news. This pain you're in, it's going to change. It's coming. It says, shout from the mountaintop. Shout it louder. Oh, Jerusalem, shout and do not be afraid. Tell the towns of Judah, your God is coming. Your God is coming. Come on, you're feeling the tension. You're in pain. Ah! But here's some good news. Your God is coming. Yes, the sovereign Lord is coming in power. He will rule with a powerful arm. See, he brings his reward with him as he comes. The people in Israel, oh, this tension. We're being occupied. We don't have our own kingdom. Oh, we're frustrated. But God's like, hey, Isaiah, I need you to speak on my behalf that I am going to come and I'm going to establish 
a kingdom. I'm coming. There's good news. Get the pre- prepare the place. I'm coming. Now, it took 700 years to get the pre- place prepared, but there was a hope that the, the Jewish people lived in on a future kingdom that would be established to bring present day pain, relieve present day pain. And so you fast forward 700 years and you get John the Baptist, the individual that would prepare the way of the Lord coming Jesus. It says this in Matthew chapter three, um, John the Baptist, what would he do? He would quote back Isaiah 40 of the prophet speaking. It says this in those days, John the Baptist came um, to the Judean wilderness and began preaching. His message was repent of your sins and turn to God for the kingdom of heaven is near. Key message that we gotta hear if we're gonna be messengers of Jesus Christ when it comes to preaching the gospel is repent, okay? I know it's not a popular word in our world today, but repent, repent of your sins, your idea, your way of thinking, your life that is without a leader, El Jefe in your life, Jesus Christ. So without him, repent of your bad ideas that has left you desolate and turn towards God. Cool, that's a key terminology there, okay? I know it's not, it's not popular, but here's the deal. We don't want to live by popular belief and culture. We want to live according to biblical truth that we can be truth carriers to a corrupt culture. Okay? So the prophet Isaiah was speaking about John when he said, he is a voice shouting in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, Lord's coming. Clear the road for him. John the Baptist speaking. Now you flip down. It goes on to say, John the Baptist saying this, I baptize you with water, those who repent of their sins and turn to God, but someone is coming soon who is greater than I am, so much greater that I am not worthy even to be his slave and uh, carry his sandals. He will baptize you with what? Holy Spirit and with fire. Hiya! It's legit. He is ready to separate the chaff from the wheat with his winnowing fork. Now, this is key terminology around the life of Jesus that he's going to separate. There's a separation. Right? It's not everybody, all goes to the same place, whatever the Oprah theology. You look at scripture, there's a clear distinguishing of what happens in the end times. It's not all wishy-washy, let me make you feel good. It's this is what truth is so we can be convicted and move in a direction of truth. So at the end, there's going to be a separation. And then then he will clean up the threshing area, gathering the wheat into his his barn, but burning what? The chaff with never-ending fire. Right now, that's not popular language. Like, it's going to burn up. You're going to turn and burn, right? We're not doing turn and burn, you know, (laughs) message here today. We're here at gospel. It's truth, right? We want people to turn from sin and sin as a result. Sin inside of our lives is a result. The result of that will lead towards death and eternity away from God. But you find inside of here that John the Baptist is an individual that prepared the way, quoting Isaiah 40, people living in tension that there would be a savior, there would be a Messiah that would reestablish kingdom. They're waiting for this. And then you get John the Baptist that comes. Then Jesus, what does he do? Jesus goes to John the Baptist later down in this chapter. And he says, hey, I want you to baptize me. John the Baptist is like, bro, I can't even tie your sandals. What the heck? I'm not going to baptize you. He's like, no, no, no. This is the will of God. This is what is right for us to do. And then you see in here where what? God appears out of heaven, opens up the heavens, looks down. A dove descends on on Jesus, and he looks down and says, this is my son in which which I am well pleased, or brings me great joy, right? This is God confirming his plan for humanity that this is his son that brings him great pleasure. 
Now, Jesus starts his ministry at this moment in time. You flip over a chapter, Matthew chapter four. This is what it says about Jesus. Then Jesus, after his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, came next over chapter four, Matthew chapter four. I skipped over. I just paraphrased that. Okay. Jesus traveled throughout the region of Galilee. And this is what he did constantly. This is Jesus' ministry. Showed up all over the region, teaching in the synagogues and announcing what? The good news about the kingdom. And he healed uh, every kind of disease and illness. Jesus started his ministry and it goes all throughout the region, preaching the good news, the gospel, the truth about God's kingdom. This is God's plan. God sees humanity living in darkness. God sees humanity in brokenness. Yet while we were sinners, Christ died for us, right? For God so loved the world. John 3, 16, the most famous scripture that used to show up in WWE and all that other stuff, WF. Right? For God so loved the world, right? John 3, 16. That he gave his only son, right? All the uh, wrestling fans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That whosoever believes in him shall receive eternal life. This is the message. This is the good news. This is the truth. Yet while we're sinners, right? We're, we're messed up. We're fallible. We got issues. We, get, we struggle. But the good news is God cares. God loves. God sees. God has a plan. God wants to do something about it, right? This is the gospel. Now, here's the deal. The gospel is not a word that was, it was used specifically for Jesus. It was used pre, prior to Jesus. Gospel is a word that would be used, and there's multiple different terms, Greek and Hebrew, but basically, when a king would overtake a kingdom, he would send out his messengers now to announce the truth or his truth or his reality to people. He would carry, they would carry the gospel. They'd be messengers to speak on behalf of the king to the kingdom. And right, we've been, we've been recipients of this message. You and I in this room, if you've said yes to Jesus Christ, have been recipients of the message of Jesus Christ. But it requires us to be in a place of humility to say, yeah, we are messed up. Yeah, we have sinned. Yeah, we have fallen short of the glory. Yes, we are fallible. Yes, we can't work uh, salvation in and of ourselves. Yes, it requires a different, it requires uh, an act that we can't do for ourselves. So we came to this submission to say, okay, we need a Lord. We need a savior, right? We, we're fallible and we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and our Savior. In that process, we gave up what? Control. If you were in here today and you are professing to be a follower of Jesus Christ, it means that you have given up control on your life and now you are submitted to the will of God to accomplish his purposes right here on this earth. You are a messenger of the good news. It means that you care about this message. It means that it means something to you because you are in a broken place of tension. I can't do it to myself. I'm broken. I'm hurting. I'm struggling. I need something greater than this tension right now. And Jesus stepped in and said, I am it. And you willingly said, you are. You are it. You're the answer to my sin sickness. I am sick and I'm dying. Without you, I don't have the antidote to life and living. And he stepped in and provided salvation for you. And the burden of life released off of you and the freedom of salvation hits your life. Now, here's the beauty. The greatest time of your announcing the gospel usually happens when? Whenever you remember that moment right there or you've had that moment. That's why Jesus, 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 like the moment he would heal somebody, what they, they jump up, I'm gonna go tell somebody. 
right? It was, oh my God, I'm going to go tell somebody. Look what just happened. Now I got to go tell somebody. The woman had the issue with blood. Oh my God, he spoke everything about my life. I'm going into town. Hey guys, uh, this guy out at the well told me everything about my life. I need you to come see him with me, okay? It's crazy, right? What was the man? The demon-possessed man that Jesus went, bam, touched him. All the demons come flying out of him into the pigs. They run down into the water. Crazy. What does that man do? He goes into the town and says, bro, this guy set me free. You know how crazy I was. Nobody wanted to be around me. One, because I was crazy. Two, because I haven't taken a shower in a long period of time, but all good. Nonetheless, he went into the town, brought everybody back outside. Why? Because he had a moment with Jesus and it mattered to him that everybody else knew. It mattered to him. It was good news to him. The question I would have is, is the gospel no longer good news to you? Because when was the last time you shared it with somebody? I, I mean, you... I mean, you, you, uh, you, sh you shared that experience that you had at that restaurant with a lot of people. I mean, you, you shared your experience with that technology with a lot of people. You shared your experience with a lot of different things that are temporal but not eternal with a lot of people. Is the, is the message of the gospel not relevant anymore to you? Have we lost care over this message that is the good news for humanity that was really great news at some point in time? It's just lost its luster because it's just not as remembered anymore. Just asking, just asking for a friend, you know. <laughs> His name is Jesus, you know. <laughs> just asking for a friend. The moment that we lose sight of the message and its power, we ourselves will not have the conviction to share it. Number two, if you want to write it down, if you don't care, you never share it. If you don't care, you're just not going to share it. Once you lose care, you're not going to share it. Right? Here's the deal. The gospel is Jesus went into the, the grave. He said, I love you so much. You're jacked up. You're tore from the floor up. I got you. No longer is it is a sacrifice of animals that stand in the place of your life. It's going to be my life that stands in the place because this is God's love for you. I'm going to get in the trenches. I'm going to lay down my life. I'm going to take the penalty of your sin. You can't do it enough yourself. I'm doing it for you. But here's the deal. I'm going into the grave. I'm going to be there three days. That's why I was three days inside of that tomb because when he came back out, he had the keys to death. The only thing the devil has on humanity is death. And Jesus went into that grave to say, oh, death, where is your sting? So I paused like, who cares what they do with our bodies? They can't mess with our souls because our souls are redeemed by Jesus. He went into the grave, grabbed the, key, grabbed the keys of death and said, Satan, you have nothing over humanity anymore. Amen. Isn't that beautiful? There, I mean, where we, we, we no longer have to fear anymore. Because Jesus has the key. So with that today, we have this responsibility to say, cool, Jesus has done something we can't do, and it means so much to us, we're going to share it with people. 
We're gonna let other people know. The most unloving thing we can do on this earth is not share the greatest news that humanity could ever hear about the salvation and or the plan of God through Jesus Christ to save all of humanity. It's the, wor- it's the most unloving thing we can do, although the enemy has manipulated minds to perceive it to be the most unloving thing you can do. Here's the, here's the deal. Exclusivity is represented in every single religion. You can't get around it. Every single religion has exclusivity on you do X, Y, and Z to receive eternal life. Whether you come back like a butterfly or a tree or whatever it may be, reincarnated in a different caste system or whatever, every single religion, it's man-made ideas to appease temporal pain. But Jesus is a life that was lived and raised back to life. Our God is alive. He is well. You don't need chakras. You don't need rubbing bellies. You don't need throwing penance. You don't need any of that stuff. It's through the blood of Jesus Christ, a life given and a repentance of our sin and declaration that he is Lord and Savior over our life. And with a confession in our mouth, the Bible says we're saved. That's how it happens. It's good news. It's good news. It's good news that desperately needs to be shared. The only reason why we know about it is because there's people that shared the good news. Here's the beauty. You look in Acts chapter 10, Peter, I'll just paraphrase it and you can go back and read it this next week, but Peter's in this moment where he's a Jew. Being a Jew, there's certain things that you can't do. You can't, you can't intermix with Gentiles, Samaritans, whatever it may be. You can't intermix with them. Back up. But God's working on Peter's life. He said, I'm going to build my church on you, Peter. You got the right perspective, the right heart. You know who I am. I'm the Savior. I'm the Messiah. I'm going to build my church on you. But here's the deal. All of your theology may not be right. And so God begins to work on Peter, puts him on top of a house in Joppa, shows him a sheet, four corners, comes down, shows him all these animals and says, don't call things unclean that I have not said is unclean. There's man-made ideas around what you can eat and what you can't eat. All God is doing is saying is this, you have man-made ideas from Jewish tradition, but here's the deal. I've called you to reach Gentiles. And today your tradition has ostracized you or has has ostracized them for you. But you got a message of hope of the good news of Jesus Christ that I'm trying to get you to send to them. Now, here's the deal. The Lord would show up to Peter and say, hey, there's two guys that are going to come. Go with them. Cornelius is an individual that had Jesus. The Lord showed up to him and said, hey, go to Joppa. Grab this man, Peter, there. So these two, the Lord shows up to both these guys. They have this intersection. These guys show up at Peter's house. He already knew they were coming. They show up and say, hey, we're coming with you. Are you coming with us? And he's like, cool. The Lord already says, I'm going with you. Cornelius gets all his family to show up at the house. Peter comes in the door. And what does Peter preach? To Cornelius, a Gentile, an individual that once was ostracized from him, that could not come in interaction, he comes in and he preaches the gospel. Acts chapter 10, it says this. This is what he does whenever he walks in. Acts chapter 10, pop. Okay, then Peter replied, I see very clearly that God shows no favoritism. In every nation, he accepts those who fear him and do what is right. This is the message of the good news for the people of Israel that uh, there is peace with God through Jesus Christ. Amen. Who is Lord of all? Who is Lord of all? Jesus Christo is Lord of all. Lord of all. No other man, no other thing is Lord of all. It's Jesus Christ. He is the Lord. You know what happened throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee, after John began preaching his message of baptism, skipping over. It says, and you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. 
And we apostles are witnesses of all he did throughout Judea in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a cross, but God raised him to life. And on the third day, uh, on the third day, then God allowed him to appear. Skipping over next verse 41, not to the general public, but to those whom God had chosen in advance to be his witnesses. We were those who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead, and he ordered us to preach everywhere. Come on, preach everywhere. Tell the good news everywhere. And to testify that Jesus is the one appointed by God to be the judge of all, li all the living and the dead. He is the one all the prophets testified about, saying that everyone who believes in him will have their sins forgiven. Key statement in there again, forgiven through his name. What does he do? He comes in and he preaches the gospel. And all of Cornelius' family gets saved. They start speaking in tongues. Bam! But Peter was willing to step outside of his comfort zone to do something that God called him to do. Here's how crazy it is. Peter was willing, while God was working in him, he was willing to step out and trust that God's going to continue to work through him. Peter's working on it. God's working on his theology. Don't call things that are uh, unclean that I call as clean. Peter's over here getting corrected. But the Lord shows up and says, cool, as I'm working on you, make sure that I'm working through you. I'm just saying this to some people inside here today. You feel unqualified. God's still working in me. Yep, he still is working in you. He still is. Guess what? He always will be. Right? When you're in submission to the Lord, you will always be on a sanctification process where you never hit the part where you're like, I'm good. You'll never be good enough. Right. right? You'll always be in a place where you desperately need Jesus, dependent on him. God blesses those who realize their need for him. First beatitude right out the bat. Jesus preached that everywhere he went. God blesses those who realize their need for him. Why? Because you need him desperately. If you can't get past yourself, you'll never be able to receive God. Simple as that. If you can't lay your life down, right, and allow Jesus to lead you, you have no God, right? You are your God. It's the repentance of our sins that we're fallible. And the declaration that Jesus is Savior, he's the perfect lamb that gave up his life for us. He was willing, as God was working on him, he was willing to allow God to work through him. Let me just tell you today, wherever you were at, you're never disqualified. You're always qualified. Some of the best testimonies you have are the ones you're walking in here today that need to come out of you. Man, I'm in this place of brokenness. I don't know if God's gonna come through. God's gonna show up and you're gonna have a testimony to your friends and your family say, man, God showed up in a massive way. I'll just say this. You don't want to have a situation where you are apathetic towards the good news and the very thing you're called to do is to share it and you gotta go through a life-threatening situation before you have the clarity and the conviction to start moving in a direction to share the good news. I mean, do you need a catastrophic life-threatening cancer inside of your body and then God show up with a miracle in your body that, bam, you're healed for all of a sudden you'd be like, I gotta go share the gospel now because I gotta save me. I would much rather say, I got the conviction on the inside because I know how fallible I am. I know how jacked up I am and I know how good this news is. And with that, I wanna share it with my friends. I wanna share it with my family. I wanna introduce them to that, right? We have this conviction that leads us in a direction because if we don't care, we're not gonna share it. If we don't care about it, we're not going to share it. So maybe it's getting back into the trenches to be like, how bad are we? How messed up are we? You know, if you're, if you're married inside of here, you realize in the beginning, you did a lot of things 
to manage that relationship. Remember back when you were dating? Oh, Lord. You calling them? Oh, you getting it, right? You taking them out? You spending money, right? You're spending money to date. I see a few people in here. He's got his hand back there on her like, what's up, Lauren? How you doing? I've never seen him before. We'd have a conversation. But um, I was like, I really haven't seen him, but I'll find out later. Uh, so, but what's the deal? You spend a lot. You do a lot. Why your heart, you're like captivated, huh? Well, I really got to care over this right now or else I'm going to lose it. And you're willing to pay the price for the relationship. What happens when you get married? Mm, you know, we don't necessarily have to go on a date this week, you know. I'll talk to her when I get home. You know, I don't need to call her right now. You know, I'll see her in 20 minutes. What do you do? You, you start to get a little lazy in the process or the, the dynamics of the relationship. And all of a sudden, there's a separation that begins to happen that if there's not some other form, don't get me wrong, I'm like, not everybody's like, your marriage is horrible, right? I'm not trying to, maybe a few of you guys are like, oh, wow, we got some work to do. Probably do. But the point being is, when there's care over it, there's a lot of attention to it. You put time, effort, energy, money, you're like, you're thinking about it. The same thing would be true about your relationship with Jesus. If you care over it, you're going to care about those that don't know it. Because you realize if they don't know, there's a possibility they could spend eternity away from God. I, I remember, I think it was like Siegfried and Roy, that might have been, it was one of those musician guys in, in Las Vegas, the two guys. One of them's an atheist. And he said, the most unloving thing that a Christian can do is not tell an atheist about the message of Jesus Christ. Because if you're a Christian, you believe this to be true. And if you don't share that information with somebody that doesn't know it, then what you're saying is you don't love that person enough to share the information with them. So it's, it's less about them and more about you. And this is coming from an atheist. I thought, wow, that's pretty interesting. You know what the Bible would tell us in Romans Chapter 10, this right here. Romans chapter 10, but say this. Romans chapter 10, in fact, it says, the message is very close at hand. It is uh, on your lips and in your hearts. And that message is the very message about faith that we preach. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved, amen. This is biblical, isn't it crazy? If you read this anywhere, like you read this on a campus somewhere, you would be called a bigot. But this is biblical. Make sure your convictions are right so you can stand firm against whatever the strategy of the enemy is to undermine truth. Oh, death, where is your sting? He's got the keys. Always remember that. If your body is broken, just know your spirit's good. Amen. Amen. Paul would say it. So you got to rectify that thing. Hurt my body. You can't mess with my spirit. I can be honest with you, I haven't shared this in any other story. I don't know why I'm saying this, but I'm going to say it. My greatest fear in life is to be locked in a box like claustrophobic. There's a missionary that went to, I think it was Africa, that he was persecuted, and they stuck him in like a box where he was just like in the fetal position for long periods of time. Like if I start thinking about that, I might have like a, a glitch. 
It's, my, it's like one of my greatest fears. Every time I think about being persecuted for Christ, I think, am I willing to do that? I go to the, the, I go to the, the, the worst case scenario, and I'm still, I'll, I'll be honest, I'm toiling over it because I don't know. It is one of the greatest fears I have in my entire life, claustrophobia in a small, confined place, but I, but I will be able to do it for a long period of time just because of my faith in Jesus Christ. That's a side note. <laughs> Romans chapter 10, moving on. Okay, if you open the carrier, you're to be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God, and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. Openly declaring your faith that you are saved. Can't just keep it to yourself. You got to openly declare your faith you're saved. As, you, as the scriptures tell us, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced, okay? So he puts it on the front end of here. You will be saved. You openly declare it, you'll be saved. Man, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. All right, moving on. In fact, it says... Jews and Gentiles, there you go. Jews and Gentiles, the same in this respect. They have the same Lord who gives generously to all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now let's do a little flip on it. Verse 14, now it's time to get up in the grill. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? So they got to know one. And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? Okay, and how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how can, will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scriptures say how beautiful are the feet of what? The messengers who bring the good news. Forget about your shoes. Forget about your game. I know I can rock some serious good game. But what's more important? Blessed are the feet of messengers that care enough that are willing to carry a message of hope to a broken world. That's what matters. I'll tell you today, it's less about the messenger and more about the message. This power of the message has nothing to do with us and it's all about God and what he wants to do for humanity. Sometimes we can get caught up in like, well, I don't know, I don't know the words. Well, here's the deal. The Bible would tell us, don't worry about what you have to say. You're gonna stand before rulers and kings, but the Holy Spirit will give you the words to say, forget about it. Stop worrying about you in the process. Be humiliated for the sake of Christ if you have to. Have enough care over the message to say, I care about it enough, I'm gonna share it. I'm gonna share it. Because this is the good news, the greatest news that anybody will ever hear. Right? The next time you go like, I got some good news for you. There's another great restaurant. <laughs> Slow the roll and be like, man, have I ever shared the message of Jesus Christ with this guy? And I'm not saying don't go tell good things, and that's not what I'm saying. We should be individual bearers of good news, right? We want to be encouragers and uplifters and people who serve each other. I mean, that's who we want to be, Jesus, to the world. But at the same time, we want to be messengers of the good news of Jesus Christ. He has sent us in the world to do this. Last thing I'll leave you with, number three. Number three is this. The gospel transforms lives. The gospel transforms lives. The good news about Jesus Christ transforms people. He is the only power that has the ability to do it. When the Bible says, I baptized with water, physical thing, John, 
but one coming that is going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire, that's a spiritual thing. That's a supernatural spiritual thing that when you share the good news about Jesus and a life comes into repentance, that is a place where somebody receives the Holy Spirit and God transforms them on the inside. It's not a work of the hand of man. It's a work of the hands of God. And we got to believe it's the message. It's got the power. It's not our power. It's not our ability to persuade. It's our ability to communicate. The gospel's simple, to be honest with you. Even like preparing a message like this, what am I going to say about the gospel? But this is what I got. The gospel's simple. But the simplicity of the gospel and the power of God will never be found if we don't share it. So like Paul would say in Romans chapter one, this is what Paul would say in Romans chapter one. He says this. He says, for I am not ashamed of the good news about Christ. I'm not ashamed of it. It is the power of God at work. It is God's power at work. I'm not ashamed of it, so I'll share it, but it's the power of God that is at work. It is the power of God that is at work, saving everyone who believes, the Jews first and also the Gentiles. This good news tells us how God makes us right in his sight. This is accomplished from start to finish by faith. As the scriptures say, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God that is at work. Why should we be ashamed of the gospel? It's the good news. It's the power of God at work for saving all who believe. Isn't it incredible that we get to be a part of the greatest message that humanity has ever heard? We get to be a part of the redemptive work of God in humanity on earth. But for some reason, we'll hold back. I've known throughout pastoring, like alcoholics, free. Addicts, free. Adulterous people in their hearts, free. Self-righteous individuals, free. Selfless. I mean, they were like servants, selfless. Not about me. It's about the kingdom. Man, I'm a part of this kingdom now. I'm not a part of that kingdom. They like gave their lives up. The gospel, the good news about Jesus Christ transforms lives. Think about your life in the room. Who did you used to be? You were a greedy, adulterous, lying, luster. Come on, tore up from the floor up. In comparison to Jesus Christ, our righteousness is what? Filthy rags. Go look up the definition of what he's talking about on a filthy rag. It ain't pretty. I'll tell you that right now. It ain't pretty, and I ain't going to talk about it right now. But he's talking about a filthy rag. A bloody, filthy rag. And our righteousness is that compared to his. Whew. It transformed me. Think about your life. Who did you used to be and who are you now? It was the message of Jesus Christ that touched your heart and changed you, transformed you. And the weight of sin came off of your shoulders. You are a new creation in Christ Jesus on mission and on purpose to accomplish his will for your life, doing greater and better things that you ever dreamed possible on your own. It has the power to transform life. So in the simplicity of the gospel, if you're here today and you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, this is God's plan for humanity, that a sin-sick world would have the antidote through Jesus Christ, that in and of ourselves, we cannot receive salvation. Our good works doesn't, isn't, will never be good enough. It's through the submission of our heart that we lower ourselves down and allow Jesus to save us with his blood. 
for us to believe in our hearts that he is Lord, repent of our sins. Come on, repent of our sins. I am this, I was that, I used to be, but I am no longer anymore because of the blood of Jesus. I repent. This flesh right here has got me all jacked up, but the blood of Jesus Christ is redeeming me. It's the gospel. Jesus Christ has come to save us. There is no other way to get to heaven except through him. That's not my words, that's Jesus' words. I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. There is no way to the Father except through me, Jesus said. So we can get caught up in the madness of this world saying, oh my God, why would you ever say that? Or we can rest secure in the message, the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ that God has given towards humanity and receive this free gift by faith, believing in our hearts and being saved. Being messengers of this kingdom now, carrying it into the world saying, hey, there's a new kingdom. His name is Jesus. I'm gonna carry the gospel. There's a new king. His name is Jesus. If you've never said yes to Jesus Christ, this could be your moment right here to receive. Jesus as your Lord and your Savior. To allow him to be leader and you to become servant. Just get it in your language. I'm a servant of the Most High. I'm a servant of King Jesus. I'm a servant. Come on, some of us need to say, I'm a servant. I'm a servant. I'm here to serve the Lord. I'm not the leader. I give up control to Jesus. I'm not the leader. I'm not the boss. It's not what I say goes. It's not I can, I can make my own decisions. I'm a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ in submission to his will. I'm a servant. Come on. I'm a servant. If you've never given up leadership, now's the time to confess that Jesus is Lord. Repent of your sins. Turn, repent, turn towards God. Declare, confess with your mouth that he's Lord. Bible says you shall be saved. If you're in here and you never said yes to Jesus and this is your day to say, I'm, I'm in submission. I get it. I know where I'm at. I know where my decisions have led me. The same chaos I've always been. If that's you today. Just raise your hand and say, Pastor, I want to receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Wave it at me, wave it at me, wave it at me. Amen. We're in surrender and submission to Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's all just say a prayer together as the body of Christ. Eyes wide open, head wide up. Right? We don't want to, we're not putting our heads down. This ain't old school church on like, we're going to do it privately. This is not meant to be private. Your salvation is not meant to be private. Jesus says, if you acknowledge me here on this earth, I'll acknowledge you in heaven. Well, what did you say? If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord, you shall be saved. Just Paul saying, this is a decision, the best decision you will ever make. Next decision, go get baptized. It's the right thing to do. But we're doing it together. This is the body of Christ. We celebrate those that are saying yes to Jesus coming into this kingdom, amen? So let's all say it together. Say, Jesus, we admit we're sinners and we need your blood to cover our sins. Your life for our life. We believe you're the son of God. We ask you to come into our hearts and change our lives today. 
We confess and we commit our lives to you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody says, amen. And amen and amen. Amen. Now he's King Jesus. He's King Jesus. And I'll tell you right now, in the kingdom, you got to live according to the king's rules. If you are a professing Christian, you have a king. And his name is Jesus. Now I'll just, I love how this pastor said it way back in the day, so I'm just going to read it as he said it. But let it be a great reminder that each one of us have a king. Let's stand up to our feet today. When I finish this, we can go ahead and just worship together here. This is Dr. S.M. Lockridge, the late and the great pastor of Calvary Baptist Church in San Diego. He would say this, the Bible says my king is a seven-way king. He's the king of the Jews, that's a racial king. He's the king of Israel, that's a national king. He's the king of righteousness, he's the king of the ages. He's the king of heaven, he's the king of glory. He's the king of kings, and he's the Lord of lords. That's my king. Well, I wonder, do you know him? He's the greatest phenomenon that ever crossed the horizon of this world. He's God's son. He's a sinner's savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He stands in the solitude of himself. He's awesome. He's unique. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He's the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's the supreme problem in higher criticism. He's the fundamental doctrine and true theology. He's the cardinal necessity of spiritual religion. He's the miracle of the age. He's the superlative of everything good. You choose to call him Lord. He's the only one qualified to be an all-sufficient savior. I wonder if you know him today. He supplies strength to the weak. He's available to the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He strengthens and he sustains. He guards and he guides. He heals the sick. He cleanses the leper. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers captives. He defends feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regrets the age, or he regards the age. He rewards the diligent, and he beautifies the meek. I wonder if you know him. Well, my king is the king. He's the key to knowledge. He's the wellspring of wisdom. He's the doorway to deliverance. He's the pathway of peace. He's the roadway of righteousness. He's the highway of holiness. He's the gateway of glory. Do you know him? His office is manifold. His promise is sure. His light is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient. His reign is righteous. His yoke is easy and his burden is life. I wish I could describe him to you today, but he's indescribable. He's incomprehensible. He's invincible. He's irresistible. You can't get him out of your mind and you can't get him out of your hand. You can't outlive him and you can't live without him. The Pharisees couldn't stand him, but they found out that they couldn't stop him. Pilate couldn't find any fault with him. The witness couldn't get any of their testimonies together. Herod couldn't, Herod couldn't kill him. Death couldn't hold him. And the grave couldn't hold him. Amen. Yes, this is my king. 